What's going on, Drinking Buddies? Brand new podcast coming right at you, but you know what we got to do first. We got to talk about those things that generate a little revenue. First and foremost, we're brought to you by the Patreon at patreon.com slash Slayer. You can support this show for as little as $3 a month, less than the cost of a beer. And for a little more, you can get these episodes ad-free, get the video versions early, and get a bunch of bonus content. So sign up today, support the show at patreon.com slash Slayer. We are also brought to you by the merch store at awd.net slash merch. The holidays may be over, but the merch store is still here. There are awesome designs that you could rock and also directly support the show. Don't you want to cover your shame of my wares? Once again, go to awd.net slash merch and pick yourself up a shirt or a hat. And last but certainly not least, we are brought to you by our friends at Casa Anika. Casa Anika is an amazing wellness brand. The kind of wellness that needs lubrication and vibrates, if you get my gist. So go to casa-anika today. Use promo code ANWD at checkout. Not only will you save 15% off your order, you'll support the show. Everybody wins. And if you're in the continental U.S. and you make an order over $100, free shipping. So once again, go to casa-anika.com. Get yourself some wellness gear today. And I just want to talk to you about one more thing before we start the show, Drinking Buddies. The two easiest ways you can support the show that cost you absolutely nothing. Signal boost. Tell your friends. Reshare posts. Just let more people know about the show. The other super easy way to support the show. Go to YouTube.com slash Now We Drink. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Feed the algorithm. Check out the video versions, and that's it. Costs you nothing but a couple seconds of your time. Let's get on with the show. My guest this week is actor and comedian Hank Chen. Hank and I talk about his origins of Wheaton College, just the various aspects of the entertainment industry, how mainstream compares to adult. Talk a little bit about his special, I'm Not Supposed to Be Here, how that came about. It's a really fun episode. So sit back, relax, pop a cold one. And enjoy drinking buddies. Yeah, and we are talking about work. We're talking about work. Woo, just what everyone loves to do. Yes, absolutely. So before I hit the recorder, you were about to say, because you were about to give away gold, and I'm like, oh, i got to get it on air. <laughs> like, this has to be for the people. For the people, absolutely. You know what I haven't done, though? I haven't done any sex work yet. Yet? Yeah, haven't done any sex work. I know that your channel has a lot of sex work on it. Was listening to a lot of your podcasts to prepare for my interview. So sorry to your audience that I haven't engaged in that yet. It's okay. We can turn you out by the end of the episode. Yeah. I know know you're a pro at doing that. No, I I have never. Nope. Nope. (laughs) Nope. Nope. I'm actually very much a proponent of telling people not to do sex work. Oh, really? Why is that? Because there's a lot of pitfalls in it that people don't understand, don't know. Like, 
it's a kind of a lonely place for people. Oh yeah, I can I can see that because it, it's isolating, right? And also, there's a very short shelf life when it when it when it comes to sex work, from what I've read and from what I understand. And also, I work in entertainment, and so that's adjacent to sex work or from what i've heard it can be a stepping stone to sex work <laughs> well it can go both ways right it's like oh your entertainment career is not going so great sex work you're a really successful sex worker entertainment oh yeah or a lot of times you do one and you can't do the other you know what i mean like oh, yeah. it's it's a slip in the sl- it's a slip in a slide like once you've done the sex work you can't step back into a successful you can't step into legit a legitimate Hollywood career. People won't won't accept you. Yeah, unless you have hit like the upper stratosphere of you know being a porn star. Like years and years ago, Entourage booked Tegan Presley, Jesse Jane, and like oh, I forgot, I think Devin for like a couple episodes. Sure, but that's just you know, one off things there. Like they're generally not making someone who's a sex worker into a series regular or right. Well, they did turn Sasha Gray into one. I'm sure, but Sasha Gray also isn't training to become a series regular. Right? Sasha Gray is almost a novelty, right? Sasha Gray is is Sasha Gray. She's branding herself as an adult performer, and she's always probably going to stay that way. Yeah, I would assume. Yeah, for the most part, and the only form of entertainment where like it becomes kind of socially acceptable to go from sex work to entertainment and like actually have a career is comedy. There are a couple of performers that like have had semi-successful comedy. Careers. Yes, that's true. And DJing being a DJ. That's so funny. Yes. Music will do that. And it's crazy that like those two forms of entertainment happily will take sex workers where TV and movies is like, Oh, you're radioactive. Yeah, I wonder why there's a little bit of a stink or a little bit of a, um, I don't know how to say, pretentiousness there. My guess, I mean, and this is a purely a guess, right? is there's so much money that goes into TV and film production right? that the studios don't want to take a risk on putting some, someone in who may offend middle America. Mm. Well, oh my God, there was an, there's an actor who he just this past, um, Oscar season. Well, not Oscar season. He didn't, it, his movie didn't end up getting into the Oscars, but it ended up going into Sundance. I, his movie was called Red Rocket. Do you know what I'm ta- what I'm talking about? You're in, you're in front of a computer. I am. Um, I'm going to look it up right now. He was the star in, in a movie um, but in the, in that movie, but his movie did, uh, the whole indie circuit. I think it did like Telluride. I think it did con. I think it did look up that actor's name. But when he was in his, when he was 18, he did a jerk off video and because, and he did end up becoming a series regular and recurring and he did do a lot of television as a young actor in his mid-20s, but he lost a lot of roles and, like, potential superhero franchises because of that jerk-off video. And he's, he lost a lot of opportunities because of, because of that one, you know, for doing something that everybody, that everybody does. Right, and it's crazy because yeah. 
you know, people were still booking Charlie Sheen. Mm. He's, you know, not in front of the camera, but he was definitely on record taking advantage of sex, you know, not taking advantage, but hiring sex workers. Sure. But they would still hire him. It's, it's a bit of a hypocrisy there. Are people still hiring Charlie Sheen? Uh, after the, the whole meltdown, I don't know, but. Is Charlie Sheen still a viable commodity in Hollywood? I don't know. Let me look at his IMDb and see. Yeah, what, that's true. What What is Charlie Sheen's last credit? What, Simon Rex is the. Simon Rex, Red Rocket. Yes. Simon Rex had a little bit of a comeback with Red Rocket and Simon Rex used his, you know, pseudo porn, porn past to his full advantage because in Red Rocket, he was fully nude multiple times. Um, and they were talking about an Oscar nomination and he didn't get it, but, uh, people said that if he had gotten it, it would have been well-deserved. So, well, and I'm hoping as, you know, entertainment evolves as more and more people have fucking OnlyFans and shit like that, that the stigma starts to die out a little bit. Yeah. Like even someone mainstream like Bella Thorne had an OnlyFans briefly for like, a week, didn't she? She was the first person to make a million in one day on OnlyFans. Didn't she? Yeah. Didn't she make a – yeah. And she had it for like a week, right? If yeah. She activated it and made millions. million in a day. <laughs> made a million in one day. And didn't even get naked. Didn't even have to get naked. All she had to do was just post just – ran, just random Instagram content. Yeah. Which also had giant blowback within the adult entertainment community. Oh, yeah. Why was that? Because she got so many chargebacks on people upset that she wasn't nude. Oh. That it changed OnlyFans' payout model. It, yeah, it was, it was pretty bad. Really? And do, do you agree with the blowback that she got? <sighs> yes and no. Like, you think she should have gotten naked. You're like, if you're going to be on OnlyFans... It's a platform for adult content. Get naked. No, I mean, it's completely your right to get naked or not, but don't false advertise. Don't allude to, oh, yeah, if you spend this money, I'm here to get naked. Mm, you think she did that? You think she implied that she would have gotten naked? Well, if you're posting the same similar content to what you could post on Instagram and being uh, making a big deal like, I have an OnlyFans, mm. there's an implication that goes with that. Got it. Like, if you were to announce your OnlyFans right now, I'm pretty sure. That's you know, true. OnlyFans has OnlyFans for comedy. Right. If you were to announce on this show right now, like, hey, guys, I'm starting an OnlyFans, I don't think people tuning in would be that, like, coming in for the comedy. You're right. P- people would assume that I'm going to show my dick. Right. Right. Which, you know, it's funny. There, I was approached for the OnlyFans for comedy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, only OnlyFans is is trying to diversify. Well, yeah, they they talked about bailing out of the adult market altogether a couple of years ago. They're not going to. It's too lucrative for them. Well, for the moment it was like it's a whole to do, but it was problems with payment processors where yes, it is very lucrative, but they're also looking to sell and being able to actually sell with all the adult content on the platform was becoming problematic. Oh, really? Like payment processors as in like Visa and MasterCard and stuff like that, like won't process their... They fixed it. But with the history of OnlyFans, OnlyFans was actually launched as to be a Patreon competitor. It legitimately was supposed to be like a platform for creators to do bonus content. Oh, okay. But they didn't restrict adult stuff. So the adult industry flocked to it. Okay. But because it was set up 
to be a Patreon competitor, they were never set up properly to like properly regulate adult stuff. So it's not, so it's a little bit of the wild, wild west. I mean, they've, they've definitely dialed it at this point, but right. In all reality, like the MasterCard stuff that MasterCard was asking for, none of it was particularly unreasonable. And they gave them like six to eight months to comply. And OnlyFans just didn't do it initially. <laughs> so they got in trouble with the credit card processors. Right. So their initial answer, instead of properly setting up compliance, was to ignore it. Ignore it and then be like, ah, we're out of adult. We're out. Peace. Right. Right. That to make that makes no sense. And you fuck yourself. Right. You fuck yourself and you fuck everyone who built this platform for you. Right. And you hurt your content creators. You hurt your you hurt the little people. Yeah. That especially, built your platform. Especially the people during the pandemic, the the service industry people that were out of work that started OnlyFans to try to yeah. get by. Yeah. Like that's blood money for a lot of people. Mm. To just be like, nah, fuck y'all. It's pretty raw. Right. And most of the adult industry has it in their back of the head. Like, this could happen again in any second. Huh. It probably could. I mean, I think sex workers are probably the most mistreated amongst uh, all of entertainment. I mean, they're non-union. They're, they're seen as disposable. They're the most exposed, literally, figuratively. They have the shortest... Um, lifespan when it comes to their career you know they're they're extremely vulnerable when it comes to uh diseases and you know violence and i mean i i fully advocate for protections just across the board when it comes to sex workers i fully admire you know what they do i think they provide a service <laughs> they do it's yeah. a very necessary service yeah Pornhub would not be one of the top visited websites in the world if people weren't consuming it true it's absolutely wild that like as we like to say like people you know jerk off with one hand and point with the other that's so funny and a lot of them are Christians oh yeah the red states are Leaps and bounds above in viewership. I know, too. I was raised religious, and the hypocrisy is out of this world. Why do you think that is? Because I think it's easy. I think it's because I think it's easy to to point and to judge because then you don't have to look inward. So I think I was raised in a culture that a religious culture where it was easy to turn a blind eye to what was going on inside your own house and just to point at the neighbor's house and just to be like, oh, okay, look at what's happening over there. And then just to ignore what was going on inside what was, you know, what was happening inside your own house. I, I'm repeating myself. I don't know. I'm not making any sense. <laughs> oh, you're making sense. The, the, the Elijah Craig that you served me is doing its job. Well, cheers to that, by the way. Cheers to that. Cheers. Uh like I went to a Christian college also and they love to they love to um demonize the other side they love to be like the liberals this then the liberals that so that they can feel better than them better about themselves isn't there someone in the bible about you know don't throw stones from glass houses yes totally <laughs> 
but, to- totally. But you always need someone to compare yourself to so that you can feel like you're living the mo- more righteous life. You know what I mean? Like that. So you have a reason to wake up so that you have something to, you know, so that you're, so you've got the moral high ground. The way that I was raised, uh, I think that a lot of people relied on that in order to be able to survive. And I think that's, I think they continue to do that. I think that's why people like Trump won. You know, I think pe- people who were really in the depths of despair in a lot of different parts of their lives felt like they had to, ah, fuck it. I lost my train of thought. It's all good. Yeah. Honestly, on paper, I've said this before, I kind of wanted to like Trump. It's like the dude wanted to for- make a space force. He's involved with sex workers. He's involved with sex workers. Right. Like on paper, it's like, oh, I want to like this guy. Man, he really just. He seems like a, he seems like a good time. He seems like he's a lot of fun. Except for the like no drinking ever and being a speedhead, but eh, allegedly. Oh, he he's doesn't. Also, oh, he doesn't drink. Yeah. He, he claims that alcohol has never touched his lips. That's a lie. Well, even if it's not a lie, I don't trust anyone who would say that. Oh, really? If it's true or not, like, it's almost with anything in life. How are you going to know if you like it or not if you haven't tried it? Mm, that's interesting. Like, that that's shows that you don't have an open mind to things. Did I read that he, that his father was an alcoholic and that's why he didn't? I believe so. His, definitely his brother didn't, didn't, his, didn't do that. Or his, his brother definitely died of liver disease. Oh, okay. But still, try it once. Right, taste it. Uh, oh, this isn't my jam. Right. Like, I know for a fact, I don't like mustard. I've tried it. I do believe that Trump is a man that's gone through a lot of trauma in his life. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, that is a man who is traumatized. He's seen a lot of it. So it is entirely possible that he is traumatized by the death of his brother who has who died of liver disease and is like... I will never touch this, touch the stuff. But I think that in order to get to that point, you have to be a very mature person to be able to process that and have the psychology in order to be like, oh, because of the actions and consequences of such and such thing, that is why I will never touch this substance. And he just doesn't seem mature enough to do that. Definitely not. Well, and no, most of humanity is not mature enough to just take one anecdotal experience. And not just run with it. Yeah. He's not, yeah. Most, most of his presidency, he seemed like a petulant child. So I, that's why it doesn't seem like he has the wherewithal and the maturity to not touch alcohol for the reason, you know. Maybe he is, you know, rightfully afraid that if he does have that one drink, he is just going to hit the hit hard. To lose his ever-loving mind. Could you imagine him drunk as hell on control of the button? I wonder. I'll bet you there are anecdotes of him actually probably drunk and the Secret Service just hid those hid, – just hid, hid, have hid those stories. It's probably like those Russian like uh, pee stories. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Like there's probably trunk-wasted stories too. They're just classified. I don't know. 
his White House leaks like a sieve, and all the stories about him coming out with you know being a pill popper are pretty well documented. Right. So if like the pill popping came out, how could you know the drunk stories not come out? Right. That's true. But enough on Trump before he gets reelected and we both end up in a gulag somewhere. That's so true. You really think he's going to get reelected? I mean, he's polling better than Biden right now. That's so awful. <laughs> Only in America can you be on trial for multiple fraud counts, election interference, and still be polling better than the sitting president. Yeah. And and Biden, I think, is an upstanding guy. I mean, I think he's old as a bag of rocks, but, you know, he's, he's, I think he's an upstanding president. He's doing pretty well. He's, I think he's just, you know, he's just been at it for a very long time. <laughs> and I like how calm the news is. It's, it's reassuring. Yeah. It's, it's, it's calm. I like it. I, I like the calm news, but it's also like. It's I, scary how old he is. Yeah, it's, it's terrifying. Like if he was just a civilian they probably would pull his driver's license. I agree. Do you really want someone who's driving the country who can't operate a motor vehicle? Yeah, I agree. Like, eh, eh. yeah, a little nerve wracking. And it's just like, he would be on a life alert. Yeah. 100%. Like he is the person who's like, I've fallen and I can't get up. Yeah. Can we just pick somebody better? Anybody? Do you, Hank, do you want to be president? Can we yeah. run you? Can we run you for president? I wasn't able to finish the sentence about Trump. You don't want me. Trump can't speak either. It's fine. Uh, fine. At least Biden can finish reading his teleprompter. That that he's able to he's able to finish reading every single one of his teleprompters. Yeah, he just sometimes greets people that aren't there. Oh, oh, I did see that. Yeah. Or he asked where someone like it was either a member of Cong Congress or a member of the Senate that had died recently. Like, where were they? Did he do? Did he do that? Yeah, I missed that. Wow. Yeah, it's like, can we just run anybody else? I, seriously, how do you think Kamala's gonna do, or would she? How do you think she would do if she were to run? I heard she's not pulling too well. Oh, they kind they, they kind of hide her away. Yeah, like what do you hear about Kamala? Like I heard more about Mike Pence than Kamala. Yeah. She, yeah, Kamala doesn't, she's supposed to be second in, second in command and she doesn't really get headlines because yeah. they don't, they, they sort of don't really bring her out. Well, it's just kind of like, we're not going to say, talk about anything, whatever's happening, it's happening. It's cool. It's kind of like during the Obama administration, like there weren't a ton of headlines about Obama, more drone strikes than anybody else. Mm. Like, no, news is not always good news. Right. Literally, can we just run somebody, somebody else? <laughs> you think the Democrats have someone else? There's got to be somebody. There's got to be. Do you follow politics a, a lot? A little. Just a little bit. A little yeah, bit. me just too. I'm not really a politics guy. It, it, it makes me too sad. Well, it bums me out. And also, I go a lot of cases like, this shit's above my pay grade. I live in Los Angeles. That's they, true. They declare California blue before the electoral, electoral college is even remotely counted. Right. Our votes matter for local elections. They don't matter on the national front. Right. And so much of it's above my pay grade. I'm not going out in the streets, like, armed with rifles and throwing an insurrection. Like, world, you know, Civil War II comes, 
I'm going to grab a bottle and just be like, okay, come for me when the end comes. Shit. Right. Oh God. I hope it's quick and painless. Yeah. But it's just a wild place. I've, I've legitimately had friends bail the U S in the last couple of years. Bailed as in they left the country. Mm-hmm. Where did they go? Uh, one friend went to Montenegro. One friend went to uh, your friends went to Portugal. You're kidding. They left the country. Mm-hmm. Did they like it? They're loving it. Where do they? What do they do? They work remote. Uh, one of them. I don't even really know what she does. I legitimately don't know what she That's does. That's hilarious. You have friends that have fled the country. Yeah, well, the the one friend. Like. When I met her, she was a DJ, and last I saw on an Instagram post, she's acting as a realtor in Montenegro. I'm like, I don't even know how this happened. She changed careers. Well, and somewhere in the interim, she was doing website design and coding. I'm like, I don't understand how all this happened. Okay. That's hysterical. She upended her entire life, went to a different country, and changed careers. Twice. Wow. Just to get away from the politics of the United States, uh-huh. but that but she must love her new life. Like oh, she seems to be killing it. Uh, every time I talk to her, she seems really fucking happy. New healthcare, new n- new adventures. Yeah, I. It doesn't hurt that she is conventionally attractive. So sure. I, oh yeah, I'm sure some doors have been opened for. Her. Is she single? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? When she moved, was she single? Yeah, and then she ended up on. A boat on the Mediterranean with some Italian guys she met for a while. Oh, wow. Okay. (laughs) Conventionally attractive probably does help. Yeah. It's amazing what being conventionally attractive just opens doors for people. Probably. Probably helps with the adventure part. It definitely does. It definitely does. And then the other friends are... She late 20s, early 30s, like that type of bracket. Mid 30s at this point? Mid 30s. Yeah. But yeah, she seems to be killing it. And then the other friends are in adult entertainment, and luckily we're just able to you know get contracts with European performers. Oh, got it. And th- and then just move overseas. Yep. Wow. And just perform overseas. Yep. Huh. And they love it. They're loving it so far. Yeah. See, for me, it's just like. I would like to live abroad. I just don't think I have enough marketable skills to live abroad. Well, you could pros- you could po- possibly do your podcast abroad. Do, yeah. you think, do you think you can get enough guests? Probably not. N- no. No. You could you you could also get, you could always get some Italian you know guests abroad. You can always get you know yeah I don't know. No, I mean LA is LA is the hub for everything I want to fucking do. That is so true. Yeah, like. For, same for me. I mean, I'm an actor and a comic, so yeah. it's there's there's no way I could work anywhere else unless I also switch to real estate or whatever. You, you don't want to be on a boat with a fine Italian man for a summer? That would, I mean, well, first of all, I have a boyfriend, but fine Italian man, you know, <laughs> that sounds amazing, but well, yeah, don't don't cheat on the boyfriend. Let's, let's <laughs> he loves you. Don't don't. I've always wondered what it would be like to up and just change your life like that. You know, that's that sounds like the beginning of an of an TV show. That's the pilot of a TV show. Oh, 100%. You know, it's definitely the pilot of like some eat pray love type series. Mhm. 
100% like, just tired of American politics to the wild. Yeah. If you were to do that, where would you go? I mean, I th- I like Montenegro. That sounds that sounds exactly where. Prob- I mean, I can't even. I don't even know where Montenegro is on a na- on a map. <laughs> but just the name of it sounds like exactly where you would go. You know where I went this summer? I went to Edinburgh. Oh, nice! You did Scotland. the. I did the Fringe. Hell yeah! It's Scotland, um, and it was such an artistic hub. Um, but it was great. You know what I mean? And it's, and the, and when you go to Europe, it's so old and there's so much history and you realize just how young America is. Um, and you get to see all of the, the richness and the vastness of the world concentrated in one place and just everyone is doing art and it's just so beautiful. Um, like I would love to relocate to, to a place like that. And my boyfriend joined me for the last two weeks of my month there. Um, it was great like that. So if I were to ever relocate, I'm like, yeah, do that. Like I have a cousin who's in Germany right now. She's lived there for five years. Nice. So I feel like she sort of did like an eat, pray, love adventure <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? Just like this Asian girl who relocated to Germany. You know what I mean? Like she dyed her hair blonde. You know, it's like, what are you trying to be like some white girl? You know what I mean? <laughs> just it's okay like asians are other aryans according oh, whoops yeah i know right they're okay no but t- tell me more about the fringe festival like tell me about your month there the month was yeah i mean it was like it, i mean it's pretty much it was like five weeks there it was great it i did it was stand up every single day so really worked out my muscle um it was part of a show called Alphabet Soup. It was a, an LGBT queer show, uh, and it, we <coughs> got well-reviewed in a lot of different publications, and it was just a nice variety show. Um, and it was – and we got to just sort of like travel and see the sites and got to – see and meet a lot of artists i mean it was kind of everything you really like hoped for and you know what was really interesting um not just doing the show but the coming back was really interesting because most of connecting with all of my all with my cast with the other comics that were in the show touching base with with most of them most of us fell into a depression when we came back because we came back and we came back and there was a strike. There was, we, none of us had anything else really going on. And we were like, bummer. Like it was really hard sort of coming back into it. You know, you, you do something every single day and you're bonding and you're a part of like the pseudo family. And then you come back to something and then you have sort of have nothing, and it's really hard to sort of bounce back from. Yeah, yeah. That, that's gotta suck. Because as glamorous as like doing entertainment in LA is, at least for me personally, it can be a very isolating place at times too. Because everyone's on their grind, on their hustle. Yeah, not there's not always time to like be social unless it's like an actual like planned event for something that you have to attend. Then that's work too. 
I think that's why people in Los Angeles chase the brass ring of trying to be on a series because we want to be a part of a family. You want to be a part of a community that's always going to be there for you. Like everybody wants to be a, a part of their version of the cast of Friends. You want to be a part of something that lasts for 10 years. You want to go to some, go to some place. You want to go to a, to a job that can be counted on every single day for 10 fucking years. Like how incredible is that? And also like a series like that, that employs hundreds of people, you know, from your people at the top all the way down to the crew, you know, and I've been on, I've done a lot of television and I have found myself to be sad for the ending of a lot of those jobs. Like sometimes I've been on set for just two days and I've been sad when those two days ends. I'm like, this is sad, (laughs) you know, because I bond with the hairdresser after two days. Um, you know, I'm like, I really like getting my hair done for free. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And, and, and I also really liked getting paid $8,000 to say lines for two, <laughs> you know what I mean? For two days, you know, that, that makes me sad that that's over. Right. It's like, oh. I know. That makes me sad that this, that, that job's over. Instead of, you know, being paid $15 to get up somewhere. Exactly. Yeah. That, yeah. The, the, the money in television is unmatched anywhere else, too. Except maybe feature films, but feature films, yeah, feature film money is great. So, um, but feature film money is also unmatched. Yes, my last serious depression to rival Edinburgh depression was when I did a movie in Atlanta that was also five weeks, and I came back, and boom, and that was some serious sadness. Also, so yeah. But what can you expect? You know what I mean? Like you do a movie in for for five weeks and and it's it it's like summer camp. <laughs> you know, and and you you just have to you know, whoop you know, whoop that goes what's that song? Whoop that goes rat I'm trying to think of that song. Whoop whoop that goes whoop there goes gravity whoop whoop here comes reality whoop the ghost oh, yeah. gravity you know? <laughs> uh, now uh, i'm hearing the chorus in my head and i'm trying to remember whoop, the song. Th- whoop there goes gravity oh, whoop whoop here comes reality whoop, oh there's gravity. um eminem yeah exactly eight mile eight mile yeah. exactly that's that's what i that's what it feels like yes from eight mile i, I had it in my head i'm like i, I got this i got this <laughs> yes but um, but to answer your question about Edinburgh, yeah, Edinburgh was it was magical. It it was like it was like Harry Potter world, you know, um, and and to be able to do stand up every single day was was a lot of fun. Um, even and even like in the grind of it, because it was a grind. How many times did you get up in that month? I think like thirty. That's a lot. Yeah, because it was every single day. I think I think I had days off, maybe like twenty eight or something like that. And then there were like other shows that you could get up on, you know, if you really wanted to hustle. But I didn't hustle that hard. 
got to enjoy a little bit of the like being in Scotland. Yeah. So, you know, we traveled with my boyfriend. We went to Glasgow and nice. there, and then there's also an opportunity to go back to Edinburgh next year. You going to do it? I don't know. It's a hesitation. The hesitation, first, there's the cost of it. The The cost is just the, like, I didn't have to pay for my flight to go. Um, or I didn't have to pay for my room and board either. We stayed at a nuclear bunker, by the way. Nice. So that was interesting. It was a it was a abandoned nuclear bunker. So that was a fun accommodation. But we have to pay for our own food, and then there's the opportunity cost of, um, like this year, I was able, to, I was definitely able to go because there was a strike, so there was no work happening. At, at all but next year there will be opportunity cost of me leaving because there will the town will be up and running so i don't know how happy my reps will be with me leaving town well so for five weeks what's the bigger priority for you doing comedy or being on camera i guess we'll have to cross that bridge when we get to it Fair. do you know what i mean yeah but you know i could be leaving a lot of money on the table if i leave town but what would be like more artistically satisfactory for you? Yeah, that's true. Being able, you know, I think, I think if I could, if I got 30 guaranteed days of stand up, that would be artistically satisfactory. But again, like I told you, if I got, if, if you were to tell me like I could get a guaranteed guest star, which at this point I think is like nine grand or something like that, I might give up Edinburgh to, to do it. No, it makes sense. I live in Hollywood too. I get it. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, it's like, oh, you, you want to pay my rent for the next couple of months on one appearance, or I could do something that is maybe more artistically filling, but is going to cost me money. I'm probably taking the gig that's going to pay my rent. The balance of that could be something to work towards because I mean, with the strikes this year. And I count the WGA because I'm only in one union. Obviously, I'm not a writer, but I count the WGA strikes the strike as I'm. So I'm just counting both strikes because we were affected by both strikes. One hundred percent. So with the strikes this year, um, you know, this year probably was a wash. Is was mostly a wash. I did three jobs. Um, so I made, you know, not definitely not as much income as I would have liked, but my last job was in my last job was in May, so I'm really coasting by on just savings right now. Well, and that's the thing that like unfortunately a lot of middle America doesn't seem to realize is like everyone who is out on those picket lines, not everyone can be like, Yeah, I got millions in the bank. It's cool. Absolutely not. Yeah, absolutely. Correct me if I'm wrong, but the greater majority of SAG members don't even make enough to get health care every year. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'm, I'm one of, I'm one of them. I'm, I'm right now on Medi-Cal. So, you know, I, I didn't qualify this year because I was out of work for so long. So hopefully better luck next year. Do you know what I mean? The goal will be to hopefully, I think Edinburgh will be a goal. The goal will be to 
hopefully in the beginning of 2024, you know, we'll see if I can book a couple of jobs, book a couple of guest stars, and then get my bank account up. And then also get this, get some status with my reps and to be like, oh, look, guys, I booked a couple of guest stars. I have some money in the bank. I did it. Now we drink, guys. I did it. Exactly. Exactly. Your reps are going to be like, uh, why did you do this? I know. Why? You know, to get some stat, to get, and then to be like, now can I go to Edinburgh? You know? And, and that might, that might be like, you know, now I might be able to skip town for five weeks. Hopefully. I mean, because that would be ideal. Like, make enough money so you're comfortable and then get to do what you're actually, like, artistically passionate about. Right. Like, that's yeah. the dream. Yeah. Because I feel like if I don't book a couple of jobs, then I probably can't leave town. It perfectly makes sense. Yes. So, but it sucks to be in that position. In, in, in that way, I feel like a sex worker. I'm kind of like, uh, you know, I feel like you, where you feel constrained by, you know, by your, I don't know, bad analogy maybe. <laughs> I, I feel like my resume, while it does speak for itself, my previous year's work I've lost my momentum. Do you feel it's a lot of people looking at it's like you're only good as the last gig you did and how regularly you're working? Yes. Yeah, I do. I do think so. And I think I think it I think in this town it probably people are looking at probably the last 6 months. Probably the last 6 months, probably the last year. Well, and that's a giant bummer. Like if you get the chance everyone Please go look at Hank's comedy on YouTube. <laughs> ridiculously funny. Oh, thank you. And you're out there killing it. And like, just because some gatekeeper hasn't signed off on you in the last six months, shouldn't diminish the, your talent and your ability. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. I, you know, I did release the special in the last month and a half, so that's that's a little bit of, you know, momentum. So that's, so I'm lucky that I have sort of like the dual pads that I work on, but the comedy doesn't pay the bills. Not, not really. But the the comedy is very fulfilling. Have you thought about like doing the road more or just afraid of being away from town and missing out on gigs? Yeah, I could do the road a little more, but also the road takes time to build those relationships and, you know, and, and I just haven't had the chance to build those relationships. So I have to, that, that's work on my part to invest in that. So, so you're giving me a kick in the ass. Yeah. Get out there, get on the road, like fucking go visit middle America. Give them the fucking laughs. Yeah. Go hit the Schomburg improv. Right. You ever catch any shows there while you were based in Illinois? While I was in Illinois, yeah. I, I I did when I was at a Christian at at my Christian college. I was doing comedy. Where were you getting up in Chicago? It was at a club called Comedy Comedy. Not familiar with that one. It was it was a small little venue at a hotel. It was it was cute. Um, and then, uh. A couple of years ago, I went back to open for a buddy, and I was able to get up 
at um, their zanies. Rosemont or in the city? I did Rosemont and I did the city. Nice. Yeah. Um, and I think one of them is closed now. I think. I don't know. I mean, I hope the fuck zanies old town isn't closed. No, old town is not closed. I want to say the one in the burbs. I mean, there was one in Libertyville like forever ago. Yeah. I don't think I, I've ever stepped foot in that room, but hell, and Rosemont didn't exist when I was out there. Yeah, it might be Rose. No, Zanny's Rosemont still has to be there. Rosemont is still, Rosemont still. I mean, it's Conventia. Why would they close the comedy club? Right, 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 right. I'm, I'm double checking just, in, no, Zanny's, you know. But they, there's three, there's three Zanies out there. Yeah, there's Old Town, which is the original, and I've seen a bunch of shows there. Right. Great room, great space. I'm I'm looking I'm looking to see where else the, Z- the Zanies locations are. There's the old town. I'm like I saw Bobcat Goldthwait there. Like at one. Point. Oh my god, classic. Yeah, Bobcat's been touring for like thirty years. I know. Oh, I I probably saw him at least twenty years ago. Oh my god. Yeah. Like I haven't lived in Chicago since 2010. Oh my god. And I was probably barely 21 going to Zany's when I saw Bobcat. It was one of those things. I think that was like one of the first comedy shows I'd ever gone to. It must have been magical. It was pretty rad. Like, in retrospect, it's like I wasn't like a heckler or being obnoxious, but in retrospect, like, I did not know what comedy etiquette was. Oh, really? You, you were talking to the guy? No, I wasn't talking to the guy. I was not heckling, but I, I didn't talk to him, but it's also like, I wouldn't have been out of place to talk to him, like in my mind. Oh, really? Thankfully, I didn't. Thankfully. Thankfully, you were polite. Right. But at this point, I have so many comedy shows, like as an audience member under my belt, it's just like I can see in the crowd the people that are not regularly at comedy shows. Yes. The people that are a little out of place. Yeah. That are a little, they're a little rowdy. A little rowdy or just a little, just, their energy is just a little off. It's just like. Sure. You don't understand, like, clapping or laughing are, are your only two responses here. Right, right, right. The laughs are a little off. Yeah. The clapping is a little off. Even even the way they order drinks is a little off. Right. Sort of like, uh, now is not the time to flag the waitress. <sighs> right. Now is not the time to put in your drink order. <laughs> you are literally bringing back some trauma for me right now. Yeah, oh, right. I, I took a girl that I was kind of hanging out with. I, this is I was already on the West Coast. I was living in Vegas at the time. Eddie Griffith used to have a residency at the Palms, at the King's Room. He'd do like fucking three hours. And I took this girl there. We've been drinking all day, as we do. Yeah. She, in the middle of Eddie's set, is like loudly flagging down the waitress. Oh, no. Trying to get like Eddie is staring at her from the fucking stage because that is a oh, tiny room. No, like, that room is smaller than the belly room at the store. Mm. That's a tiny fucking room, and it's just like I am just petrified. I'm just, like, oh god, oh god, why, why, why is the girl I brought fucking making a oh no? It was this a date? Kind of, kind of, sort of. Like at that point, it decidedly wasn't. Like I, yeah. She had flown out from Chicago. Like, I knew this girl from back in Chicago. Like, I was into her when we both still lived in Chicago. Right. She would like, I want to visit you in Vegas. I'm like, yeah, this is a sure thing. 
Right. And then she got out there and was a drunk shit show, like, the whole weekend. Like, threatened to fight one of my friends drunk at one point. Like, No kidding. Yeah. Do you regularly date girls who are this rowdy? No, that, that... that's a little too, that's a little too much for me. That's a little bit of beyond. Like I, I want to date someone who's not a square, but I don't want to date someone who's like threatening to fist fight my friends in the bar. Right. Like we, we got to find the happy medium here. Exactly. You want someone who's, you know, you don't need someone who's the life of the party, but you, you, you want someone. Yeah. I, I'm cool with you being the life of the party. I'm just not cool with you being out of fucking control. Right. Okay. This is to date. It was when the Blackhawks were playing the Bruins in the fucking Stanley cup finals. Okay. And she is pissed drunk and we're in a bar in Vegas. And she's like, why isn't everyone rooting for the Blackhawks? If we were back in Chicago, everyone would be rooting for the Blackhawks. I'm like, cause we're not in Chicago girl. Oh my God. It just, yeah, it was, it was bad. It was fucking bad. And after the show, Eddie's doing a meet and greet. She's like, I'm going to go you know, say hi to Eddie. I'm like, cool. I'm going to be at the slot machine. Just let me know when you're done. How did you get rid of her? I dropped her off at the airport. Oh, my God. Yeah, it was it was a little rough. It was directly after the show. I drove her to the airport and dropped her off. And like her flight got delayed like two hours. I just didn't answer the phone. She wanted to talk? She wanted me to come pick her up and get because she didn't know how long her flight was going to be delayed. And just hang out? Yeah. And I'm just like, no, 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 no. Nope, nope, nope. Pick you back up and just hang out for like an, another half hour? Like it's, it's, it's only two hours. I don't know what her plan was. Yeah. I, once I dropped her off at the airport, I considered her no longer my problem. Exactly. <laughs> I think that's a very smart choice. It, I wanted to get rid of her much sooner than that. Yes, exactly. You made a very sound decision. I mean, I probably would have made a much more sound decision to have never let her come out in the first place, but... Wait, how did you meet her? <sighs> This is a little, little shameful. So, was it was it an app? No, no, no. So years and years ago, in the mid two thousands, I ran a small record label. Yeah, in Chicago. Yeah, she was the girlfriend of one of the guitar players in the band. Uh huh. And oh, so she, and now she had broken up with the guy. Yeah, they'd been broken up for a while, but like the very first night I met her, and she wasn't batshit back then. No, she was fun. She was fun, like a fun party animal back then. The very first night I met her, like. This is when I was still scouting the band that her boyfriend played in. I had no idea who she was. I showed up to like the sh- their show, and this is like in the MySpace days. So mm-hmm. like you'd find bands playing on MySpace, and like that's how I scouted a lot of my artists. So like, check out what shows we're playing locally. Listen to their music on MySpace, and then be like, let me go check them out live. And if they're cool, like try to cut a deal. Right. And I'm at the bar ordering a drink, like. There to scout her boyfriend's band. I have no idea who this girl is. And she rolls up and like, oh, you're cute. Let me buy you a drink. I'm like, you're cute too. I'll take that drink. And then I find out like she's the guitarist's girlfriend. I'm like, well, I'm not going to fuck up my business <laughs> over this shit. Right. But, you know, fast forward five, six years later, she hits me up and she's like, I want to come visit you in Vegas. And I went, aw, aw. That's kind of sweet. Aw, I'm going to fuck the shit out of her. Oh, oh, that did not happen. Thankfully, thankfully, right? Thankfully, you have this. You have sound mind and body to not fuck crazy. Yeah. Well, sometimes, sometimes. In this particular case, we'll go with this particular case. Oh, right. This particular case, I did not stick my dick in crazy. Right. <sighs> Woo. <Yeah. laughs> but 
literally when she went to go do the meet and greet from with Eddie, I'm sitting at a slot machine and I could hear Eddie call her out for being loud during the show when she goes up to meet him. Oh, really? What did Eddie say? He's like, oh, you were the bitch who was making noise during my show. Oh, that's hilarious. I'm just like, God damn, I'm glad I didn't go up there with her. Fuck. I w- it's like, I know I'm not doing anything wrong, but I was just secondhand embarrassed by association. There. That's so funny. Eddie would remember after the show, too. She was loud. She was very fucking loud. But you know what? That also screams. It screams like classless. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Like, I often like to joke that low is a class. Mm-hmm. But that, that's like... Below. Below yeah. low. The bar is at toe level there. Wow. It was beneath the ground. Almost. <laughs> Especially from a comedy standpoint. Yeah, it's just like, nothing will turn me off faster than me taking you to a comedy show and you being an obnoxious audience member. Right. Yes. Because... Especially because did you ever do comedy? No, because I, I have no writing talent. Oh, but you but you seem to have a have a huge respect for it. Oh, and for, for an art for the art form for the skill of it. I mean, you you know how much work goes into the the skill and the nuance and the writing of it and the sculpting of a joke. I mean, it takes a lot of oh, it does, and a, a lot of preparation to. But, much like being a male porn star, I know what goes into it. That's why I don't want to do the job. Right. Like, it's like, I don't have a huge dick. I have an average size penis. I am not sure I could get it up with a dude who looks like me standing over me. <laughs> so I don't know if I could actually get up on stage. One, first of all, I'm fairly confident I could not craft jokes, like write jokes that are funny. Like, I think I'm a fairly funny dude, but I am a very reactionary. Like, I am not a podcaster who could sit here and do an entertaining podcast by myself. I need to play off people. Right. Like maybe, maybe I could get up there and do crowd work. Maybe. But who's going to open mics to deal with the crowd work guy? Mm. The idea of like me actually sitting there like writing jokes, writing tags, not my skill set. I'll tell you what your skill set is though. Your skill set is this. Because when you DM me and you were like seven o'clock, for two hours, I was like, what? I couldn't talk for, and then you were like, I've been doing this for 400 episodes for eight years. I'm like, yo, give this man some props because I was like, I'm going to run out of things to say. And you were like, I got you. That's your skill set because I couldn't do that. Well, and it's a very developed muscle. I didn't come out of the fucking womb and be like, I'm a good podcaster. Yeah. There's a lot of imposter syndrome that went into this over the years. Sure. There's especially because for me, I most of my entertainment background before this, yeah, was I was the behind the scenes guy, right? I was a music executive for a small indie label that I started, like, right? I wasn't trying to be in the fucking spotlight, I was trying to build up other artists, right? And then when I got into adult entertainment, like, it was production work, I worked security for girls, like, all of it was behind the scenes stuff, mm. I wasn't trying to be a face, like. The idea of having any fame or infamy has never been a motivation in my life. Ah. Like, even when I started this podcast with my original co-host, I was the second fiddle. Mm-hmm. She was supposed to be the star. I was supposed to be, you know, the second banana, 
the guy to bounce shit off of handled the technical shit. It's just evolved from there. Got it. Well, but yeah, in order to be able to drive a conversation for two hours straight, that's a skill set, my friend. That's a talent. So be proud of yourself for being able to do that. Well, thank you. And to be able to do that with strangers, brand new ones, for 400 episodes, that's... They're not all strangers. Some of them are just strange. Some of them are just strange. But that's, that's you know, and, and a variety of personalities. Well, as, as we discussed, as we were setting this up, they don't always work out well. Sometimes I get punched in the head. Sometimes you get punched in the head. Yeah, when you got punched in the head, that was... That happened before the interview even started, right? No, it was in the middle of it. Oh, my God. No, no, I haven't managed to piss off someone so badly. They punched me before the interview. Let's, like, your urge to punch me isn't rising, right? No. I also think we're far enough away that I think you'd be able to defend yourself. We, you, I was able to defend myself in that situation, too. That's true. But, yeah, like, thankfully the table's wider now, so, like, I could make it so... Hopefully, you don't actually connect. Yes. Notice. You, you, you can duck and weave. Hank did not say he did not want to punch me. That's he, true. He never said, I do not want to punch you. He's just like, I, I think I will fail. I would, I would not succeed, but I don't want to punch you. I like you a lot. Thank you. I like you too. Please don't punch me. Yes. It will, will not happen. Not in this interview. Next one. The second one. Just Bam. Walks right in the door, just cracks me in the jaw. Like, oh, let's record now. Watch my limp wrist it try to hit hit you in the face. Yep. Oh, don't play the stereotypes. Hey, come on. <laughs> I bet you got a mean right hook. <laughs> when the intention is there, right? it's pretty it's pretty stiff. That's right. Back to it, it's just like there's people gotta accept their limitations in life. Like, I'm never gonna dunk. Mm. Yo. Know, it's better off if, you know, I figure out like, hey, this is my lane. Podcasting is my lane. Mm-hmm. And I'm happy here. I love I love this medium. Absolutely love this medium. It's the last Wild West medium. Because like what you do involves a lot of gatekeepers. Sure. It involves a lot of people with a lot of money saying Hank is good enough to be on our set. Hank is good enough to be a part of our ensemble, our cast, our whatever. And then there are so many people that go into that production. It's like there's executives, there's writers, there's directors. There's so many people that could potentially change the product that you're involved with. Right. This medium is still the Wild West. There are no focus groups for podcasts. Mm, You get all the control. I get all the control and all the platforms except for YouTube don't care what we say as long as we're not promoting hate. Oh yeah. If you, you were to headline your own, your own sitcom, how much stuff would you have to tone down to make it past executives, make it past the network? Right. You would be, you're asking me a serious question. Oh yeah. I mean, I, I, my brand is adorable. So not a lot, you know, Oh, I, I heard the Blackie joke. <laughs> go, go Google that. Th- that's a good joke. Oh, it's a solid joke. It's a well-crafted joke. Oh, I'm not knocking the it, joke. It, it probably wouldn't make it past. It probably wouldn't make it onto a network. Right. That, that's my point. Not that it was a bad joke in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. My point is that probably wouldn't make it past the network. Yeah. It wouldn't make it onto cable. That's the difference in the mediums. Sure. 
And that's one of the things I really appreciate about comedy, too. For the most part, you can say what you want to say on com- on a stage. Right. If it doesn't play to the audience, you get that feedback then and there, but no one's stopping you from saying it. And also, what you say doesn't influence you from... It it doesn't hurt you from other work. Like, you know what's really interesting? Um, So I don't know when this is going to be released. We're shooting this the week of Thanksgiving. But uh, next week, the week after Thanksgiving, I have a general meeting with a Hallmark executive. So I have a relation. I have a longstanding relationship with this executive who, when she used to be at Disney, I I worked with her when I when when. Hank, why are you here? I'm ruining your career right now. I'm actively hurting your career right now. No, 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 no. It's fine. She, but she, I, I did a, I did a, I did a Disney movie with her when she used to be at Disney, but you, but. The uh, I have stand up clips. Uh, we're friends on Instagram, and she actively knows you know my my work. But sometimes you wonder, you know, with the work that you put out, if it influences the what your bookability could be in the future. But then again you can get to a certain point where it doesn't matter. Like I think of certain comedians like Sarah Silverman, Sarah Silverman still tells R rated material. Oh, she's filthy. Yeah. But she's a star. That's the difference. You know, she can, but she can still be in kids movies like school of rock or Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? She can still do old Navy commercials. Do you know? I mean, you know, she's still she can still do G rated. Like brands will still work with her, so I hope to be able to cross over. I hope so too, because I really would. I like you, and I would really feel bad if I negatively (laughs) hurt your career right now. I know because we opened this podcast talking about sex work. Oh yeah, and I was going to ask, would you watch on OnlyFans at some point? So, watch what? Like what kind of porn you watch? I don't I don't watch uh OnlyFans. But what about pornography? Pornography? I just your standard gay porn. Well, what's your standard gay porn? Uh, you know what I like? I like compilations because I like just getting to I like I like just 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 I just I just, I like nutting videos. Nothing wrong with that. You know what I mean? I just I, I'm I'm like down and dirty. Just just get, right to the right, right to the finish. Right to the finish. I'm I'm busy. No foreplay. No that's yeah. It's it's either that or I like release I like the cinematic artistic quality, like ones that are sh- literally like cinema verite shot shot like they're fucking scored and oh yeah. Like there, there are there are gay studios that shoot them, that shoot like passionate. Yeah, that like both both people are making eye contact as they fuck. Totally, totally. Yeah, and I can't I I can't deal with um ones that d- deal with like 
the that get too crazy, like incest ones. I can't deal with ones that where one of them looks like they're ten years old. I can't deal with. I does the like does the phosis thing happen a lot in the gay in gay porn? The what the phosis? Because it's very important that they stay. They're like stepbrother. It, it's not. They can't legally be related. Because it, it becomes a legal issue at that point. Oh, right. You can't play someone's brother. You have to very specifically say stepbrother, stepmother. Stepmother. Um, I don't well, know. Or and stepfather I, in you know, this case of gay porn. but The gay porn. Um, I don't know. They, they, the thumbnails pop up, but I don't click them. <laughs> so I, I'm also curious, like, because you do have a boyfriend, do you guys ever watch porn together? We don't. Really? You know what's interesting? We have a very tame sex life. We it's it's it almost feels very separate. I mean, we've been together for five years. Is the, the magic just dying in the sex life? Or? The magic isn't the magic doesn't die in the sex life. The magic we it just it's it just becomes a very boring sex life. It becomes a very tame sex life. It becomes a very like like cl- clinical. Like, like, do you guys like schedule this shit? Like, is it in a calendar? Hey, it's Wednesday, 8 p.m. We're fucking. You know what? This, this is going to sound so unromantic, but we can go for weeks without having sex. My, my mind is literally blown. Like I've, let me know if this is offensive, but I have often joked that like, yeah, if I were in a gay relationship, I wouldn't get shit done because if it was two dudes with male sex drives, we you'd be fucking every single day. Right. Like, how would we get anything fucking done? I know. Two dudes with people imagine that, but. Is that offensive? No, it's not offensive at all. You, no, uh, but I, I guess you may, may, maybe we're just different. Maybe we're not that attracted to each other. No, I'm very attracted to each other. <laughs> yeah, like you're on camera, but don't say that. We, we, we love each other very, very much. You know what I will say? We, I get someone, we get, I have someone who we love each other. I have someone who, I, I have someone who I say I love, I love you too every single day. We get kisses every single day. You know, we cuddle it every single day. So that shit's important. Yes. And also, gay sex takes work. Gay sex takes preparation. And I think, I think what it comes down to is I think we're both just lazy. <laughs> that I think we're both busy and I think we're both lazy. It's like, yeah, I, I don't have time to clean out. Like, probably. So. You have hand and mouth stuff that doesn't take. Yeah, that's that's what it is, the head and mouth stuff. <laughs> so, but we can, but yeah, we can go for quite a long time without engagement. Are you okay with that? Yeah, very much so. Because what? But we kiss a lot, and. I I would n- I would not be okay if without like that level of intimacy. If if we if we didn't kiss every single day, I would be upset. <laughs> so, so your needs are being met. That's the important part. Yes, exactly. No one else should be judging anyone else's relationship as long as the two people that are in it are happy. Yes, I think so. I, I think that the two of us have something that's very unique especially for two guys that, but I also think that 
people are probably not having as much sex as they're... Oh, no. Definitely not. I mean, this is why I'm a horrible human being, because, like, on average, my my relationships last in months. Right. And it's because it's I'm a fucking horrible honeymooner. Like, I am totally down for, like, hot fucking passion, lots of sex. Yeah. And then the minute it starts slowing down, like, I statistically lose interest. And Oh, really? Is that you? Yeah, I'm not a good person. Eh. Is do you you need you need the sex to continue? Oh, it's never gone longer when it stopped. Oh no, it's it's one of those that, well, like the minute it's not like this is wildly passionate, like not just the sex, just the whole like wild passion. Like you know when you get first get into a relationship, it's just like oh you can't stop but talk to each other and like be involved in like. All you are is like spending time with each other. Right. And then the minute that starts to slow down, I see something shiny in. You, you, you got to be willing to be, bo- to be bored with the, the other person. Yeah. I've never been able to do that. Really? What's your longest relationship? Six months. Six months in your adult life? Ever? Oh yeah. Six months. Wow. And that one was wildly unhealthy. So. Oh really? In what way? Um, Was it, would you say it was like toxic oh yeah if you could oh, yeah. label it toxic oh definitely toxic on both our parts like she had probably one of the most traumatized human beings i'd ever met and part of what was attractive to me besides her being physically attractive was that as much as life had shat on her she managed to still be like upbeat and positive and it, one of those things like when it went as long as it did it wasn't meant to it started off as just a sex thing. And then she just started treating me really well. And like, it just kept going. Mm. Yeah. Well, how did it end after six, six months? Um, I mean, that's kind of a flash in the pan. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I started to freak out that like the similarities between our relationship and my parents' relationship was there. So so my trauma fucking came to the fucking service. Right. And I did not communicate that well. Right. Uh, because I was not dealing with my own trauma very well. She got distance with distant and she communicates for shit. Mm. And that didn't make things any fucking better. So yeah, it just kind of exploded. Oh no. Like yelling and stuff. No, not even like it was literally like we were supposed to, I had taken time off work for us to go like on a road trip vacation together. And she last minute couldn't get away. I don't know if it was legitimate or she had an excuse, but either way, the trip wasn't happening. Work at the time said, Hey, uh, I know you're on vacation, but we need someone to go cover something in Texas. Are you down to do it? I'm like, yeah, this trip isn't fucking happening. I didn't consult with her at all. I just said, yeah. And I got on a plane to Dallas the next day. While I was in fucking Dallas, she got incredibly distant and started getting shady. And like, I kind of freaked out that she was cheating on me. Broke up with her via fucking voicemail. Oh, no. Just because I just got in my own fucking head. God. And then when I got back, like we had a fight for in my parking lot for three hours. And yeah, did not reconcile. Mm. It's pretty bad. Do you regret that? Yes. And then. On and off, things happened over the course of 10 years. 
No. Oh, things. It didn't. It didn't just end there. Oh no! It it went on and off for ten years. Well, mostly like mostly. Oh yeah, it was a shit show. My audience has heard about some of this shit, but like, yeah, it was. Well, let's dredge dredge it back up <laughs> for the for the new people that are here for Hank who right. have not heard this. Jeez, Hank, I tried was talking about your relationship, but we're getting into mine. Yeah, yeah. Well, my relationship is healthy. Let's talk about yours. Like, like my toxic bullshit. So yeah. So this is back in Chicago, and so was it during the winter months? Because cold weather will make anybody. No, no, we broke up in July. Okay, so it was lovely outside. Oh yeah, absolutely lovely. Fucking gorgeous. I broke up with her on July seventh. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, we don't talk for months. But eventually, like, I do the smart thing to leave her number out my fucking phone. We don't speak for about yeah, probably three four years. She finds me on fucking Snapchat because my phone number hasn't changed. And that's all based off your phone number. And just happened to catch me at a point where it was just like, oh, hey. Ends up moving in with me for a month in L.A. Interesting. And that was fucked because we didn't talk about reconciling. She was running away from something. And then, like, you start having sex again. No, we never did when she moved back in. Like, it started off with, like, I immediately fell into boyfriend mode i'm making fucking breakfast for us and shit like that oh uh, well that's sweet yeah well i did love her yeah did you did you tell her you loved her oh yeah oh oh yeah no it was, it was a shit show it was an absolute shit show like i didn't tell her i loved her the first time until after we had broken up it was a whole fucking to do um and she lived with me for a month she was just running away from something in Chicago. She could never really communicate what the fuck was going on. Was that something, another relationship? I don't even know. She literally was like, I, I'm over Chicago. You know, can I come out and stay with you in LA? Wow. I said, sure. And like, didn't really get much thought beyond that. And like, we never had a discussion of like, are we reconciling? What is happening here? Mm. She ended up basically being my roommate for a month. Okay. And then she bailed back to Chicago. A roommate that you loved. Yeah. 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 And then she bailed on you and went back to Chicago, yep. leaving you brokenhearted. Um, not actually all that badly on that point, because when she came out in 20, uh, when she came out, she just wasn't the same person. Hmm. Life had like finally fucking broken her. And it was just like, oh, you are not the same, like hopeful, upbeat person I was in love with. Oh, she sounds like a bit of a manic depressive, huh? I don't. I don't think it's manic depressive so much as just like naivety on like what life was about when we were first involved. Just like I was legitimately impressed with like how much life had shed on that girl, and that we managed to like she still managed to be really upbeat because I am not an upbeat person. Like I'm pretty pretty fucking negative at times. Right. So it was just like wow, life has been much crueler to you than it has ever been to me, and you still somehow. See the fucking star and the glimmer. Mm. I find that attractive. Mm. It balances me out a little. I don't know. But that had been broken when she came out. Like, whatever happened in the intern had finally, like, pushed her over the edge on, you know, the optimism. Right. What do you think it was? I, would, I could only, bad relationships, bad dudes, who fucking knows? I don't that is the ongoing problem and part of the reason that her and I are so toxic is she can't communicate for shit 
That's that's difficult. Yeah. Do you think she ever went to therapy to figure Fuck that no, out? She didn't. Fuck no, she didn't. But fast forward after that, like we didn't talk for a little while. But then like she would hit me up every once in a while and like we be legitimately became platonic friends. Oh, that's sweet. Right. It was. And like I came back to Chicago to deal with some shit. Like we hung out. It wasn't weird. We were talking about who like we we're openly talking with each other about like other people we were hooking up with and all that. Like legitimately mm. my friend. Mm. It was cool. Fast forward to right before the pandy. She's like, Oh, yeah, I've heard you've talked about me on the podcast a bunch. I, <laughs> she's listening to your podcast. Hello. I mean, I don't know if she's listening at this point, but she was four, three, four years ago. She's like, you know, I'd like to you know, come out to LA and hang out for a couple of days. I'm like, yeah, come on out. Like, figure she'd crash on the couch, whatever. Like the first hell picking her up at LAX. The energy was just different. Like the hug I got by picking her up at LAX. The energy was just different. We come back here. Describe it. Describe the energy. It was, it was intimate. Oh. Like, we come back here, and we get into my place at, like, 1 o'clock in the morning. We end up ordering Thai food, watching movies. She's feeding me off her plate. Wow. And, you know, we end up jumping into fucking bed together. Nice. Eh, regrettable in hindsight. Okay. At the moment, awesome. Okay. Because, like, in the moment, I'm, like, a little drunk. Full of Thai food. I'm like, yeah, her and I can just have sex and it won't be a big deal. Right. And the sex itself probably wouldn't have been a big deal, but we spent the whole next day in bed. Like, and anytime I'd roll over anything, she'd try to maintain contact with me. Right. It was super fucking intimate and it opened up wounds I didn't even know I still had. Right. So it was just like, and that whole trip ended up being real fucking messy by the end of it. Because it was like, where were we? What's the status? Right. We can't communicate. We tried to record a fucking podcast that was a shit show that never aired. Oh, do you still have the footage? Oh, yeah, I still have it. It's bad. It's, it's bad. It happened at like 3 o'clock in the morning after we'd both been drinking. It was bad. Why? What happened in that podcast? Oh, just, you know, I was trying to re- I love that you became the host of the show all of a sudden. I mean, I think this is a fascinating story. Basically, you know, I tried to rehash some of the, like, so I almost tried to get some closure for our first breakup on air mm. and talked about some shit that like, I felt that there was enough his, you know, enough distance in history behind to not make it be traumatic. And I was wrong. It was traumatic, but it was traumatic for her. Oh yeah. Like there was a point where her and I had gotten into a fight and I had just fucked off to Indianapolis. Huh? And down in Indianapolis, I was visiting my best friend and another female friend of mine, like, basically was throwing it at me. Like, if I had wanted to fuck her that night, she would have fucked me. And honestly, I almost fucked her that night. My best friend, like, while I was drunk, was like, dude, you have a girlfriend. What are you doing? I'm like, you are right, sir. You are correct, sir. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to stop what I am doing. And I broached the subject on air with this girl. Like, I'm like, I never cheated on you. I thought about it, but I never did it. And that was uh, apparently very hurtful. Mm. Yeah, that that was pretty much the end of us doing a recording because she. How long did it last? It didn't last two hours. Oh, definitely not. 
Yeah, that was a uh, because at that point she just started crying and oh god on camera. Uh huh. She started crying on camera and just I think like instantly regretted that her and I had hooked up like twenty four hours earlier. Oh no! Yeah, it was. Whew, it was rough. And you still have the footage somewhere. Yeah. Wow. I'm never gonna air it. No. Although it probably be one of your highest rated episodes if you ever did. Yeah, but I I feel like that's that would be pretty shitty to her. Yeah, like I don't care. Would no, but I'm saying that's that's television gold. You know what yeah. I mean? Like that's what reality producers want. That's that's oh, yeah. the stuff of Real Housewives drama. Oh yeah, a girl crying and like, oh my god, I'm such a slut. Like I can't believe. It. Yeah, that's Real Housewives goal. I mean, peeing people crying and peeing on themselves and flipping tables and you know. Yeah, but I'm, I mean, but I'm sorry, I mean, I'm sorry for you that you went through that. I'm sitting here talking to you and I, right now I, I mean, we could get around, no, we can't, we can't get around the phone. Yeah, no, no, no. The relationship I have right now is right now is with you. So I'm sorry for you that you had to go through that. Hey, it makes for a good story. Yeah. It made for a terrific story. Thank you for sharing it with me. And the audience, there, there's cameras and. Horrible people were like, I've heard this already. God damn it. How you many know, times have you shared it? A few times. A couple times. But it mostly, mostly I shared it when it was real fresh in 2020. Mm. Uh, that hasn't been a topic of conversation in years. People probably didn't expect it to pop up for me. No, definitely not. Like I was planning to talk to you about comedy and your own sex life and your own relationship. I know, right? You turned it around on me. Hank, you turned it. Fucking bamboozled me. Like, oh no, no, tell me about your traumatic relationships, Matt. I I have that way. People seem to really like to open up to me. Well, I also have zero shame and will just fucking it's a podcast. We're supposed to. Yeah. We're a good pair. It worked. It worked out. Right. Well, well, meet your new host, everyone. I quit. Absolutely not. I couldn't do this. 400 episodes in, two hours per, per guest. No, no way. Why this, not? This, this is talent right here. Right here. Tell your reps I need representation. Absolutely. Would you ever go into acting? Uh, technically, I have. Yeah. I, I have an AVN nomination for Best on Sex Performance. What? <laughs> what was the performance? I played Rabbi Mordecai in Jews Love Blackcock. Oh my lord. <laughs> yeah, no one's ever booking me. You have a nomination? Did you go to the ceremony? Oh yeah, I bombed on stage in front of the whole industry. Oh my god. I'll, I'll show you the footage when we get off air. But oh my lord. Congratulations. Yeah, I got credit on Showtime for that. Even. Congratulations. Thank Do you. you have an IMDB credit? Oh yeah. Wow. Oh yeah. That's incredible. Who was the host of that AVN uh, ceremony? Kathy Griffin? No, uh, Aries Spears. Aries Spears? Yep. That's hysterical that Aries Spears hosted that year. Yeah, he hosted like two years in a row. That's so funny. Was was it held in Las Vegas? Mm-hmm. I, I heard those ceremonies are like a hoot. So to be fair, and my audience is probably aware of this, I've ditched them every year except for the year I was nominated. Th- that's so funny. Like, well, you have to go if you're nominated. It's oh, yeah. a it's a big party. You know what I mean? Well, ten it's like ten years of going to the convention, I ditch the award show every year. You wait, there's a convention part. Oh yeah. Right. And you go to the convention. And no one ditched the award show. 
And why do you ditch the award show? Just because it's boring? Because I didn't feel the need to sit there. And clap, golf clap. For golf people. clap for, you know, best blowjob. Right. <laughs> cool, girl. Eat, eat a plate of greens. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah. That, and the convention seems like that'd be the fun part. You just look at the latest vibrators or whatever. Well, the convention's a blast, plus, like, the after parties are a good time. Right. I would imagine. I've never oh, gone. We should take you. I would go. It sounds like it would be fun. It's in January. I would I would go. Sounds – yeah. Yeah, and these days they actually – I don't know how I feel about this. It's a little – it's – on like one hand it's cool, but on the other hand it's like it's kind of fucked up as a separate ceremony. They have a, the Gavians. Like the night oh, before. the Gavians. I've heard of that. They have the Gavians the night before the Avians. It's like I, – I like, on one hand it's like it's cool that there's representation like – for the gay VNs, but on the other hand, it's like, shouldn't this just be all one award show? That's so funny. I guess they do it for organizational purposes. I don't know. I, I It's a fairly recent thing, but it's just like. I'm sure. I'm not offended. I'm sure they do it just to keep things organized, just to make sure that. Well, I'm, I'm, and it's a different, it's a whole different section of performers, right? You right. Know but I mean? you could, I mean, I guess if you included all the gay performers in the the main AVNs, it would extend the runtime of the show too long, potentially. I right, right. But it, it just feels like weird, separate but equal. Like right. <laughs> like, hey, we acknowledge that you guys deserve awards, but you no, know, we'll give you your own award show. Right. But that, the one that goes on Showtime, not for you. Right. Oh, the AVNs aren't aired. I don't think so. I, ooh, I could be completely wrong on that. Are, are the avians aired? Mm-hmm. They're aired on Showtime about six months after. Oh. Fun fact, the year I bombed in 2018 was the first year it was live streamed. Oh. I got a very angry call from a publicist about like what I was doing. Oh. What do you mean by bombed? What did you do? Oh, so sorry to the audience who's definitely heard this story. We won, So we won for Best Comedy okay. for Jews Love Blackhawk. I was sitting about fourth row center. I stand up to give a standing ovation. One of my friends who's standing behind me like, dude, you're in this movie. Go on stage. Okay. And in my mind, I calmly walked on stage. The footage says otherwise. The footage shows that I ran on stage. I'm also dressed like a rabbi. They hand me the trophy. Every other like category, like best action, best whatever, the whole cast got on stage. Right. No one else showed up. You were the only person to receive this trophy. Uh-huh. And did you speak? I did. Very poorly. Um, uh-oh. Like, I just kind of diarrheaed in the mouth. I, I believe I screamed Shalom AVN at one point. Uh-oh. And, like, just kind of was just exuberated. And then eventually ended my speech with, where the fuck is Joanna Angel, who was the director in the movie, who was making her way from the back of the room? Oh, <laughs> And then handed the trophy to Joanna, who made a real speech. Uh-oh. Well, at least she salvaged it, sort of. Oh, yeah. No, and if you look at the Showtime edit, you see me run to stage. And then you see Joanna come to stage, me hand her the trophy, and her speech. They completely cut my bullshit out. Well, they saved it. They did. But it was also the first year it was live streamed. So there was a lot of people who saw it live who watched me have the weirdest – because it's the weirdest bomb. As I am bombing, like as I am saying fucking gibberish into this goddamn microphone. Right. My friends are in the pit. 
fucking giving me standing ovations. That's amazing. And it's just like it in my brain at the second like, could I do stand up? You <laughs> could I do stand up? Like people are giving me standing ovations, and That's I'm not hilarious. even saying anything fucking really funny here. That's so funny. What's the trophy? For the AVN, is it something? It's like a gold trophy of like two people embracing. That's so cute. Oh, that's so romantic. Yes, we're bringing the romance back to porn. Yeah. Well, there is sex is intimate. Yeah, real life sex. That's so true. Like that is what so many people need to be aware of. It's like porn sex is not real sex. Yeah. So all art is fiction, right? Oh, definitely. Yeah. So, but. Art is what allows you to illuminate your life. Like it, it's what gives your life meaning, gives your life perspective. It was something like that. And I want to say it was someone like fucking famous who, who said it. Like I'm talking like Dalai Lama level <laughs> who, who, who said said it it wasn't someone i heard it some i want to say it was like mark manson who uh, mark manson's podcast or someone that i just listened to who's who just quoted i promise it was not me no <laughs> i don't ever say anything that smart no it was um so regarding this porn thing about you know yes like real 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 sex isn't uh or no, like uh, porn sex per- is performative. Or se- por- porn sex is performative. Of course it is, and it's not real sex. And these people really aren't in love with each other, but they're performing something that can illuminate some intimacy, and that can show intimacy, and can hopefully bring a little bit of romance real romance into someone else's life oh it definitely has the potential to do so that's why part of the reason i was curious that like if you and your partner watch porn together because oh yeah good question yeah it can because it because it has real life consequences right and not even consequences but it could be something that's bonding for you because that's potentially an advantage you have as a same-sex couple is that you guys can watch stuff that you're both attracted to because we're, you know, heteronormative, hetero porn is, you know, generally geared towards just the dude and isn't very great for. It is. It's always about just his nut. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just a weird dichotomy because, like, the women make more in porn. They they are the stars. The male talent is very much there to be a prop. Mm. But. For the end user, it is definitely geared towards the dude. Mm-hmm. So, for when when you've had um, female guests here, do do they when the ones that have had partners do they talk about how they watch porn with their partners? Uh, not really, just because it's it's kind of like me asking if like you and your partner are watching comedy specials together. Oh, really? Because it's work. Because it's, oh, interesting. Because it's work. Like, I'm much more likely to ask them about if they're watching comedy specials than... Ah, that's so interesting. As I like to say to people all the time, mostly off-air, is like, if you were a dentist, 
Do you want to talk about mouths all the fucking time? Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, with a lot of the performers and stuff like that, I want to talk to them about music comedy. I want to talk to them about travel. I want to talk to them about the other stuff besides what they're doing day in and day out. Right. Or you, you've never been on a porn set, so I'm, I'm here to make it a little weird. Right. That's so funny. But I, I think we should bring you to AVN. I think we should fucking get you at the convention, get you in the, the GBNs. To do, do, do a little... Do a little meet and greet. Yeah. That's so funny. See, see, so I'm like, hey, I recognize you. Like, hold on. Can you drop your pants real quick? I know, oh. right. Do they do that at the Gavians? I don't think so. Like, it. believe it or not, the conventions are actually pretty fucking tame. I would imagine. I would imagine it's just like regular con- conventions. Like, they just do signings. They do photographs. Yeah. Like, they're, that was actually a really big controversy last year was the dress code because it was the first year at the new home, which is um, resort world resort worlds. Uh, this is the first last year was the first year at it. And they had a pretty strict dress code for people. There's a dress code mm-hmm. for the attendees. No, no, for the performers. Really? Yep. Like you can't have exposed. Like, I forgot what the exact dress code was, but it's like, you know, nipples definitely can't come out. What? Yeah. For the women? hmm No nipples? Yep. What? Yeah, I know. It's wild. Why is that? I don't know. Like, I don't know if it was a security concern. Like, oh, my God, if there's nipples out, the fans won't know how to behave. Or I don't know. It was just a rule set in place. Like, there was a bunch of dress code stuff. Everyone was very up in arms about it last year. That's so interesting. What an interesting world. You you work in such a fascinating sector of the entertainment industry. It is. I mean, and you know, it's just, and what's so fascinating about it is that it's just such a huge part of the economy too. It just, it generates so much money. Generates so much money. And it's such a big piece of the entertainment industry and it's still so unregulated. I wouldn't say it's unregulated. Really? There's very heavy regulations. Like the fact that if you were to shoot adult content, yeah, legally, but legally you have to have paperwork that the federal government can come and audit whenever they want. And you have to publicly state where these records are held. So the FBI can come audit it whenever they want. Mm. Do you think the FBI would come audit it whenever they want? I was recently told by an entertainment lawyer in the industry that like one person in the history of this being a law was ever hit with it, which was Joe Francis from Girls Gone Wild. Okay. But they could. But Joe Francis had it coming, so. Oh, I'm not arguing that. Not arguing that in the least bit. But they could. Right. I mean, that's the reason we all have insurance, right? Like, we could get into a car accident. Right. We could have a medical emergency. Hopefully, it doesn't happen. Hopefully, we'll never need it. But better to, you know, dot your I's across your T's. Right. And do everything the right fucking way. Yes. And with MasterCard and Visa, you know, dialing it back on the billing to have specific standards. Some of the sites... You can't have urine involved. You can't have 
blood play involved, even if it's, if it's between two consenting adults, because the billing partners won't allow you to do it. Mm. It's crazy because in a mainstream horror movie, you definitely could have a pair of tits out. You could definitely have a sex scene as long as there's no penetration, and you could have people disemboweled in the same movie. Can't do that in porn. Mm. The credit card companies won't allow it because it's obscene. Oh, interesting. The obscenity laws are different. The obscenity laws are really poorly defined. I, I believe the, the quote is, the judge said, I will know obscenity when I see it. Right. There's just a lot less artistic freedom to do stuff in porn. And there's just not the budgets. Though porn makes a lot of money, it doesn't have the budgets that mainstream has. Right. Like, what's the smallest crew you've worked on with, like, a TV show? Like, how many people were in that crew? Like, uh, for, like, a mainstream crew? Yeah. I mean, probably, like, 200 people. Like, the smallest one. Absolutely. 200 people on the smallest one? For... Are you talking like a network television show? Yeah. yeah. I mean, those crews are like 150, 200 people. Like for like a cable TV show? Yeah. I mean, no joke. Yeah, I was on set for Wicked, which is one of the biggest biggest players in the game. I think there were seven crew members. Yeah. <laughs> and none of them are union, so they're definitely not earning the union scale. Right. And that was a whole feature. Seven crew members. Incredible. And I have been on set for MindGeek, which is the parent company of Brazzers, where there were three of us. For the whole crew. Three of us. Wow. Like, our makeup person was doubling as the intimacy coordinator. Mm. Shoestring budget. Yeah. And that's just how porn works. It was funny. The first time I was ever on like an actual mainstream set, I was a personal assistant to a musician and he was doing some promotional video and I'm looking around. I'm like, why are there so many fucking people here? <laughs> like we, we could get this whole thing done with like four guys. Like, why are there so many fucking people here? Yeah. I mean, there's just, there's just a lot of people on. Yeah. This was like, effectively a music video shoot and there were 30 people just for that like maybe four hours of shooting my mind was just like oh totally yeah i i I do a lot of commercials also for 30 seconds it's amazing i mean what they what they bring out just even like the food budget i'd be like you're cooking all this food you know, just the tables that they set up, the the how the trailers that they set up, the amount of crew that's that's there, the amount of takes that they do. I'm like, this is crazy. Yeah, there is definitely a lot of bloat in mainstream. Yeah, but they do it. Oh, they do it, and they do it. They spend that money. And they have a much more polished product than they do. Almost any porn, like there, there is definitely some very high end porn that is very polished, but that is few and far between. I was literally watching a scene, you know, for my own pleasure. You're right. The other day, and it's just like, 
Holy fuck. Does the can- does the shooter have like the fucking DTs? Like the shake on this guy's handheld shot. Like what is happening here? Oh, really? And that that's just my editor brain. Like, come on, man. Can we at least get some stabilization going? Right. The scene was still hot, don't get me wrong, but it was just like, the bar is so low. Yeah, we're not like back in the 70s now where you had full budgets, like like in the Bruce, uh, not like the Dirk Diggler days, like the uh, Boogie Nights days. Yeah, but I don't even know how much like... Like those were some, those were like full sets, right? I don't even know if they're really that much like i'm sure there was more crew then just because there was more into having to operate everything like because of because though that was film yeah it's film so you need someone to you know fucking run canisters you got there's so much more that goes into fucking shooting on real film than shooting on these fucking things right and that that's the wild thing to me is for overall production is like we are in an age where a fucking Full feature-length film was shot on a Sony FX3. Mm, or a fucking phone. Right. Uh, was Tangerine? Was Tangerine was the first film yeah. shot. Yeah. Completely on iPhones. Yeah, went to Sundance. Yep. I saw it at uh, Next Fest. Mm-hmm. Back when I used to work at the Ace. <laughs> mm. But it, it's just like, we're in an era where technically it should be insanely cheap to shoot almost anything yet why are we not seeing more mid-budget or fucking indies rise to prominence Mm, that's a good question well that's because we're in this superhero era still i don't even think it's because of the superheroes i think it's because the studios aren't willing to take a risk on anything that isn't established ip for the most part isn't that superhero? Well, yeah, but it's just like anything else. If it's not a superhero, it's some other recycled IP. Right. Like, what, we just got a new Willy Wonka movie recently? Right. Is that out yet? I don't even know. Yes. But that that is coming down the pipe. Like It is. Do we really need another Willy Wonka movie? I know. It's boring to me. It's a bummer for someone you've seen the other room. I'm a bit of a cinephile. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, you have a what looks like a terrific collection. It bums me out that like there's so much money involved with movies now that people, the studios, are afraid to take a risk on something that's not an established IP. There's so much money tied up in this gamble that it's like we can't throw thirty million at something to may to maybe make a profit, right? And it bums me out. They'll acquire. They're willing to acquire, but they won't. They're not willing to take the risk themselves. Yeah, which is a shame. It's not the nineties and the anymore. Yeah, the nineties is not the two thousands anymore. And like, how many amazing voices are not being shown to the world because mm-hmm. these studios won't take the risk? Yeah, how many voices aren't being developed anymore? Yeah. How many fresh voices aren't being given a chance to speak? The next Tarantino could be fucking out there, but their fucking Reservoir Dogs isn't being greenlit. Right. 
Have you ever thought about making you know, your own product, your own television show or feature? Me? Yeah, you. Uh, I would like to. I don't know if I have the creative juices in me to tell my own story. <laughs> Are you kidding? You get up on stage and do it. <sighs> That's true. But 22 episodes just, you know, is hard to squeeze out, my friend. Oh, I, I don't. I don't doubt it, but one two-hour feature. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, I this meeting that I have with Hallmark, and yes, I I know it's Hallmark, but one of the one of the people in the meeting, um, it's is development is a development executive. Um, so who knows where that might go? And their money spends the same. Yeah, yeah, they and they have they have money. Um, you know, so there, so there may be, they may take, they maybe they'll want to hear some ideas. Um, but I've, I've always done better saying other people's lines than I have been able to tell my own stories. I don't know if that's me being locked into this Hollywood system of me um I've always been a supporting player um that's just sort of the nature of how of where of where my place in oh. Hollywood, Hollywood has been Why do you feel that is? Is that because no one's given a shot at you at being a leading man or do you Yes. Do you, okay. Yeah, that's there the my 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 special is titled I'm not supposed to be here in for many reasons. One of them was I was in a motorcycle accident a couple of days right before I I shot my special. And then the other is like the metaphor of like being gay and Asian and I'm not supposed to be here. Um and uh and having to sort of really like claw my way into the system. And dealing with a little bit of racism, a little bit of homophobia, and a lot of roles, you know, even if you look at, like, we're talking about Hallmark, the Hallmark slate, most of their stuff is white leading white leads. So, you know, I'm... I know where my place would be, which would be in the supporting category, and I'm happy to do that. You know, so that's how I would be pitching myself, and that's and I do it well. I mean, it's well and good to do it well, and you do. Don't, don't no one should diminish that in any way, shape, or form. But there's always wanting more, and I do want more. Creating my own stories probably would be heading in the right direction. I think it would be finding also the right partner who would be willing to work with me in having that story, helping that story come to fruition. So, I mean, there's a lot of red tape when it comes to Hollywood, you know, definitely. So, you know, the short answer to your question is yes, I have thought of creating something for, myself but it's easy to be like (laughs) will it ever you know you know 
it's easy to get discouraged when you see all of the all of the work it would take in order to in order to, in order to find success in order to see that happen and it's much easier to be like well i know where my status is i know what has worked before and where and where i can where i can get roles where i can get work and so I can pursue those opportunities and continue to get work. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Right. Got to eat. You got to pay rent. Right. But if I were to put you on the spot right now, what's the elevator pitch on the thing that you would create if you could? You know what's so funny? I grew up watching uh, Ally McBeal. Isn't that isn't that the gayest thing you ever heard? Close. Mar- Margaret Cho. But <laughs> Margaret Cho. I love Margaret Cho. Love, love Margaret Show, but uh, Ally McBeal. Um, I've always wanted to. So I've always wanted to to do a, a to do a, an attorney, a sort of like play play an, an attorney whose personal life is a mess, but who's a, a brilliant legal mind. So he's great in in a courtroom, and. And that's that's the elevator pitch, and he would be surrounded by a bunch of great quirky characters in the law offices, and you know, uh, prob- parents that probably don't accept that he's gay, so he's got to deal with that. Um, and he's got his dating life is a mess, so he's he's dealing with that. And that's the pitch. I definitely think that could work. Yeah. So, and I, th- I think that I think that's the, the bones of that. Sounds like a legit show. Yeah. I'm cur- I'm, I'm curious, real quick. Yes. Would you ever play straight? Uh, I don't think I would pass as straight. You're an actor. It's acting. Uh, I don't think I'm good enough to play to play straight. <laughs> Fair enough. I I appreciate you posing that question, though. Well, because it, it's part of the craft. Like, I don't think there's any shame in you know Heath Ledger and Hall playing gay. So, like, it should be going both ways, right? It, I absolutely agree with you, and I think that gay actors who are capable of passing, such as Neil Patrick Harris or Matt Bomer, like those are actors that are, have the skill set to be able to play straight. I just I'm too effeminate to to play it. But if I were able to, I absolutely do think that I should have the opportunity to play straight. Wholeheartedly agree. Absolutely. I just that's just not within my wheelhouse. Fair enough. Like as we talked about earlier, like sometimes you just have to accept what your lane is. Exactly. Just not 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 in my skill set. But if it were in my skill set, give me those goddamn rolls. <laughs> I mean hell. Neil Patrick Harris fucking killed it being a womanizer. Oh, completely killed it being a womanizer. Did you watch that show? Oh, yeah. I, I, I watched that show quite a bit. Yeah, it was a good show. It was a good show. I had such a crush on uh, Colby Smothers back in the day. Yeah, talented. Oh, yeah. And, and then also, like, you know, Patrick Harris said Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Oh, yeah. Very funny. Which is what, like, pretty much led to How I Met Your Mother. Yes, exactly. I mean, that led to his comeback, yeah. honestly. I'm, 
I should really Google like what Neil Patrick Harris was doing in the interim between Doogie Hauser and Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Yeah. I mean, that was that was his comeback. What what a weird movie. Like, why are there not more movies like that? That is just a weird fucking like can you imagine that that movie getting greenlit today? No. That that was phenomenal. Yeah. And also to have an Asian and and a brown lead, right? Technically two Asians. Technically two Asian. That, that that's true. Yeah, a yellow and a brown lead. Yep. Terrific. Yeah. I I would love I would love to have either one of those careers, John Cho or a Cal Penn career. Still wild that Cal Penn just like, oh, I'm going to go work for the Obama administration, give up acting. Yeah. He gave up acting for a couple of years and then came back. I wonder what he's doing now. He just decided to re-enter the business. I mean, that must be nice to be like, yeah, that's cool. I just took a hiatus for a number of years. What have gotten to go into the politics? Uh, I'm back guys. Can you, uh, Set something up. Can you put me back on television? And also to be in a position where you can just come back and and go back on television, and and to and probably to book series regular jobs too, because those are not easy jobs to get. Those are like fifty thousand dollar episode jobs. Oh, I know. What's funny is when you look at Calpen, he is best known according to IMDb for Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Oh, that's so funny. I mean, movies. Feature films generally have higher status than oh. television shows. Oh, definitely. But it's funny. Like his known fours are the three Harold and Kumar movies and National Lampoon's Van Wilder. Wow. Like, I remember watching Her- uh, National Lampoon's Van Wilder and you couldn't make a movie like that anymore. Too offensive. Oh, 100% too offensive. But yeah, he is. Uh, he has definitely been working. A lot of uh, random stuff, like probably a lot of voiceover. Also, a fair amount of voiceover. Like he was just a a voice in the Scott Pilgrim. Scott Pilgrim takes off. Oh, okay, this is his most recent credit. Before that, he was a, on Sesame Street. Oh wow! Very nice, diverse career there. Yes, making lots of money. Yeah. So for you, is it is it more about the money or is it more about the art? I like the art. I also, I mean, but I also like paying my bills. Yeah, yeah. Eating is important. Eating is important. Look at me. I, I'm not trying to miss <laughs> meals. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I, um, I, I think, I think, you know what? When I'll rephrase, I'll rephrase. The representation is important. So it's so it's it's not just about the art. It's about the representation. I am trying to get my face out there because I'm trying to represent Asians and gay people. And I believe the more of my face is seen, the more young Asians and young gay people can see that we belong. Very fucking valid. And that's fucking amazing. You know, because there's just not enough of us in the business. So, you know, because I, I remember being younger and being inspired by John Cho and being inspired. I mean, I, I watched American Pie in the theaters and nice. being like, who is that guy? Who is the MILF guy? <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what I mean? I mean, I remember seeing that. So at what age did you decide that you wanted to be an actor? 
probably young, man. I mean, young, like, like middle school, like just, just when I, when you realized it was, when I realized it was a career, like probably even before I realized it was a possibility, like you can make money doing it. I, I just wanted to, to be on TV. I, I wanted, like, I turned on the TV and I saw the kids that were on TV and I knew I wanted to be one of those kids. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Full House, there was uh, a little Asian kid named Harry that Stephanie Tanner dated for like three episodes. And I was, I wanted to be that kid. She like married him in a backyard ceremony. <laughs> had a saran wrap veil and everything. I wanted to be him. Uh, y- y- like, and that's representation right there. Like it was moments like that. Oh, yeah. That made me be like, Oh yeah. So, so, I mean, so maybe a moment like that, like that, like, so that would be like elementary school. Hell yeah. So why the detour to Christian college? If this is what you wanted to do from elementary school. I almost had to go to the Christian college because my parents wouldn't have let me. It's not like I had the option to go to Juilliard, you know, like I was 17. Um, I was raised religious. Um, I was raised uh, in the church. My, I had applied to five colleges. I got into all five Three of them were local to where I was raised, which was around the D.C. area. I knew I wasn't going to go to any of those. So um, Wheaton College, which is right where you grew up, Chicago, um, was a viable. You know, I, I thought I was like, oh, I could do the Second City. They have a feeder program into the SNL. I could do SNL. I ended up like not doing Second City whatsoever. I was too scared to. I was too intimidated to to do. Really? Yeah. Also, it was just so far into the city. <laughs> Chicago's not a... It's No, it was like 45 minutes to an hour. Easily. Yeah. But getting into the college, my parents were elated because it was like Wheaton College was considered very prestigious in the Christian community. Um, I mean, it still is. Uh, and so I figured that was just sort of my way out, my way out of the house and into another state. Um, and I was able to at least be able to do stand-up um, and be able to get out and do something on my own. Although I ended up going to a college where I w- was depressed most of the time. <laughs> That's a bummer. Yes. But I was able to, um, but I was able to leave home, you know, and I, and in many ways I was able to find my own voice. And I think going to the Christian college very clearly made me realize that this life was not for me. You know, like 
no one, no one gave it a shot more than I did. Right. Like this, like, uh, oh, like I gave this lifestyle a good old college try, like in every sense of literally, the, literally in every sense of sense of the, the word. Um, so I studied abroad uh, at the University of Westminster in London during my junior year. Uh, and that was a nice time to be able to get out. So to to be able to do that and to watch a lot of theater, and I still ended up graduating from Wheaton College, but and and then after Chicago, I went to New York City, and then I and then I, that was a good time. I went to grad school for acting. That's when I came out with my came out literally figuratively. Uh, I was able to go to grad school for acting and I told my parents I was gay. Um, and, and I studied, started studying what I loved. Actually got on with your life. I got on with my life. Yeah. I got, I mean, I got my first job, which was in law and order SVU. Nice. Yeah. And then I haven't stopped working since. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. I'm, I, I know you weren't out when you were at Wheaton, but like, were there, did you meet any other you know, gay kids that were either closeted or out? Oh my God. So many. <laughs> <laughs> you could just, you could just spot them. Do you know what I mean? Like you could just kind of tell when they were just a little, like when I finally came out, people were not surprised. <laughs> Like I, there was just a way that certain people carried themselves where people were like, you are gay. I just had a vision of you at Thanksgiving dinner with Thanksgiving coming up this week. You're like, mom, dad, I'm out. And they're like, yeah, just pass the turkey. Yeah. That's hilarious. (laughs) You know, what's funny. We don't have, we don't have a good relationship. I'm sorry to hear that. No, that's okay. It's fine. Lost my train of thought. A lot of the students at the college too, um, I don't, I don't know if they're out or not. I feel like that, that's depressing. Like to live your life just you know repressing who you are is just. Yes, I think it's. I think, I I think some marry ended up like marrying women. I also th- I also know that like one guy. I also know that like one guy. Um, was like having like anal sex like in the dorm showers while like uh, while he was like an undergrad like like in well good on him for getting it in yeah good on while well, good on for him while while he was happening you know it like doing it like unprotected it, it was there was a lot of risky behavior going on i was not participating in any of it Oh, was, I'm sorry. I know. I was not getting any action while I was while I was there. And they also like monitor our, our internet, so there was no outlet. That's horrible. Yes. That was so but you're legally adults at that point. What the fuck? It was an interesting experience. And you know what? That's that's an interesting thing to say too. We're legally adults because we were infantilized a lot. That's fucking miserable. Yeah. We were treated like children. 
we were, yeah, they held our hands hands through a lot of things and they put up a lot of guardrails. Um, and a lot of it was, they made it seem like it was for our safety or for our protection. And I don't know how much they really protected us from the real world because I don't know how ready a lot of the students were ready. I don't, I don't know how many people were, were really ready for the real world. Oh, I'm sure a lot of them weren't. No. Yeah. I think the people, I think a lot of people had to stay within the community in order to function. Yeah. That sounds like a feature, not a bug. Yeah. I think, I think that they do that on purpose so that they stay within the community. Yeah, stay within the community, bring money back to the community. I was just <laughs> catching up with someone uh, who was visiting at a friend's 40th birthday party here. And I was like, oh, what are you doing now? This was a former classmate of mine. And he was like, I just moved back to Glen Ellen, Wheaton, Illinois. And he's raising his family there. And I was like, that's so, you know what I mean? Like people move back to Wheaton Cottage. I feel like that's like moving back home with your abuser. I agree. Yeah. So. Unfortunately, people do that because, you know, unfortunately, it's the trauma they know. That's what I think. So it's, yeah. And and the person who moved who moved his family back to Glen Ellen um, he was someone who did like the art artist program, like at Wheaton. Like he was like an actor there who like was one of the more liberal ones. And now he like teaches clowning and stuff. I'm just kind of like, what are you doing, dude? Like, what do you? Why are you trying to like say? save the kids or <laughs> it, it seems like he's trying to find some new sort of purpose there. I would just leave the community behind. That's what I did. And you're probably better off for it. Yes. So. I'm also very on record as being an atheist. So, Oh yeah. yeah. Were you raised religious at all? I, you know, I'm ethnically a Jew and like, you know, reformed Judaism. Reform Judaism. Did you have a bar mitzvah? I did bar, not. Or bar. I'm technically not a man, everyone. Oh, really? Yeah. Which is really dumb of me because that is such a fucking payday at 13. Oh, yeah. That's what I hear. The checks. Yeah. yeah. Cha-ching. I just couldn't be bothered with Hebrew school. Yeah, because you have to learn a lot. For better or worse, my father yeah, had to hold down two jobs to keep us in a halfway decent neighborhood. So like, I was uh, pretty much a wild child. I just did my own fucking thing because he just didn't have time to actually like be an authority figure. Oh my god! So it's like, oh, you need to go to Sunday school. Nah, I ain't doing that. So, do you believe in a higher power or oh, anything no. like that? No. Interesting. This is the whole show. When it ends, I like that. I don't. It's terrifying. It is. Oh yeah. I I you know what I like that L.A. thing of of the whole like. You, you know what language I speak now? I speak the 12-step language okay. of the higher power because it gives me a sense of peace. So I kind of so I, that's the language I speak where I so so when I'm having a stressful day, I'm like higher power, help me. That's what I speak. 
because because I was raised to believe in a God and now that even though I don't believe in the God per se, I can put my faith in something a little bit bigger than myself and meditate on that and just be like, uh, I'll give it up to whoever and just not worry about it. I envy you on that because I can't do that shit. I can't do it. Yeah. It's like, I, yeah, they tried to really raise me with the Judaism. And it was just like, mm. don't buy it. Yeah. It's like, uh, these are all rules written by people who didn't shit indoors. Yeah. <laughs> They're shitting in holes in the desert. I don't think they know what's up. Pork is delicious. Pork is delicious. Pork is fucking delicious. Like, I have pork chops in the fridge right now. Pork is amazing. Right. How can you neglect that? Yeah. I totally get it in biblical times. If you didn't cook that shit right, it would kill you. I get it. That's right. Totally get it. And they do though they do wallow in their own shit, but that's because they have to. Right. We have hoses now. It's fine. Yeah. Like that's how pigs keep cool. We have hoses now. We can wash that shit off. They're delicious. And it's like if there is a God and there is a just God, why does everyone in sub-Saharan Africa get fucked constantly? Mm-hmm. Why does typhoons just wipe away whole fucking communities? Right. If there was a just God, why would we have any fucking miracles in 2,000 years? Yeah. It's really hard to convince me that, like, there's a higher power. And... I'm okay with that because it like it motivates me like it reminds me like oh hey we have a finite time here and because we have a finite time here and nothing is promised we should be fucking trying to live it to the best we can. Yeah, and also it forces you to take responsibility for everything on your own, right? Definitely. Like, oh, no higher power told me to do that. No, 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 that was me. Right. That was me being a shithead. You get to take you you you're like oh no i did that yep i did that i also don't have to beg forgiveness from invisible sky daddy when i do something shitty right like i either own it or i don't and i go about my day Mm. and like that's why on what you said very early in the podcast like the hypocrisy and how many like religious people are really shitty people when i was working as a pi which we talked about briefly when off air Whenever I would investigate someone who's involved with the church, they were the most fraudulent people I ever dealt with. You are kidding me. Nope. Every time. It was always someone who was involved in the church. That is so funny. Well, not every case was with someone with the church, but every time I did work someone who was involved with the church, they were super fraudulent. Super fraudulent. The hypocrisy. Yep. Like, I worked a guy who claimed he had a leg injury. Followed him from church for him going door to door taking collections. Wow. It's like, I guess he justified, it's okay to commit fraud because I'm doing the Lord's work. I don't know. But just every fucking time I worked a guy, this was one of the most uncomfortable things that the fucking my boss has ever had me do. It was a church where it was one of those like, if you donate so much money, God will bring it back to you type of churches. Oh, no. And they actually had me attend a service. Oh, no. 
And it's a small congregation. Like, there's 30 people. Oh, no. What a scam. Yeah. But also, I had to interact with all these people. Like, I actually had to attend the fucking service. And it's like, just bullshitting my way through the whole thing. But watching this dude who is on workers' comp from the Los Angeles School District and is supposedly injured on stage being like, because of, you know, your blessings, we were able to buy this for the church or buy this for the church. God will bring all that stuff back to you. It's just like, this is so fucked. So I had very little faith to begin with, and that shit just eroded it even further. Mm. Eh, is what it is. Mm. <laughs> wow. My mind is blown. I can tell. I can tell. You're just like, what a shame. I'm so disappointed in these people. You must have a lot of stories coming from a PI perspective. A, a few. Yeah. A few here and there. Like, a lot. It, it's a very boring and exciting job. At the same. Right. I'm sure. I'm sure. But it, it, it also doesn't exactly surprise me that these guys who were religious would be the most fraudulent. My guess is part of it is like, Hey, I can ask to repent. That's part of the deal. right? That's true. You can wipe the whole slate clean, right? You start back at zero. Exactly. Like look at the, like the old school Sicilian mobsters. So you're devout Catholics. Like, yeah, I murdered like 10 guys, but a couple of Hail Marys that takes care of that. Right. That's right. We're all good. God's okay with it as long as I repent. That's right. Wipe it clean. We're all square. Right? So ridiculous. But I hate to do it. We're going to call last call because believe it or not, we've been doing this for over two hours. Oh, my God. Already. See, look at this. You're a pro. I've done this once or twice. Yes. This is episode like five, right? Right. But we're going to call last call before we get you out of here. Please tell the people where they can find your things, where they can find the special that we barely talked about. My special is called I'm Not Supposed to Be Here. Uh, you can find me, Hankster Chen, on all my socials. And yeah, that's me. Instagram, you find me. I'm, is anybody on X anymore? Yes. Formerly on Twitter. I'm, I haven't posted in probably a year. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Hankster Chen. And. It's been great being here. Thank you so much for having me. My absolute pleasure. We will definitely do it again, assuming that this doesn't get you canceled. Right. <laughs> you resent me for like, I can't believe I fucking did that podcast. That cost me so many fucking bookings. What, whatever. This is going to get me five Hallmark movies. I appreciate it. And me like a walk-on roll on one of them? Sure. Exactly. Hey, it was an absolute pleasure. And until pleasure. next week, drink up, motherfuckers. Drink up, motherfuckers. Drink up, motherfuckers.